What is up, guys? And welcome to Montreal Madness with your host, Tony Montreal. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I know it's been a while since I last produced my last uh, episode of Montreal Madness. Um, I had a little bit of complications with my uh, sound equipment and the fact that, you know, there really wasn't a lot of sports going on. Um, that was kind of the reason why I haven't, you know, like I said, made made an episode in about a month and a half. But you know what? Got those technical difficulties fixed. Um, not only that, but, you know, we have the MLB back. We have the NBA back. Uh, the PGA is back. And the NHL is back as well. And speaking of the NHL, we have one hell of a playoff series in our midst between the Philadelphia Flyers and my beloved Montreal Canadiens, who pulled off one hell of a win last night in Game 5, uh, beating the Flyers by a score of 5-3. to three. And I tell you what, if you're not a hockey fan, or if you think hockey is stupid and whatever, I implore you to watch this game, rewatch this whole entire game on YouTube. Because this game that happened in Game 5 um, this past Wednesday, I mean, it just exemplifies what playoff hockey is all about. You know, there's a reason why experts say that, you know, playoff hockey is just so much different and just a million times better than any other sport out there. You know, every single player gives 110% on each shift. Um, every time they're out on the ice, they sacrifice their bodies. They get bloodied up. They get hurt. They get injured. They keep on playing. They don't care um, how much their body hurts. Um, you know, it's just playoff hockey is, I don't know how to describe it other than it's just that much different. Um, than any other sport you just have to watch it for yourself and I just tell you what if you're just a casual hockey fan or if you don't really follow hockey or like I said earlier if you think hockey is just stupid and not your sport please for the love of God watch game five of this Philadelphia Flyer Montreal Canadian series right here I mean you had everything you could want in a hockey game in this game right here you had you know, you had people scoring goals. You had a bunch of terrific saves by both goalies. A lot of good defense. A lot of players getting hurt and bloody, just like Brendan Gallagher. Um, he's a forward for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, you know, he got cross-checked right in the face. Had a teeth, had a tooth missing. Um, his mouth was all bloodied up and everything. He came back right the next shift. Had two hits on that shift after he had already. Um, broken one of his uh, teeth off and his mouth all bloodied up. Um, you know, that just exemplifies what playoff of hockey is all about. And it's just, like I said, it's just so much different and just a million times better than football, baseball, basketball, soccer, you know, NASCAR, you name it. Playoff hockey is like as unlike anything else in the world of sports. Um, and like for the love of God... I don't know why people out there, especially the people at ESPN, would rather show for an hour-long segment 50 freaking minutes dedicated to you know guys that are close to 7 feet tall dribbling an orange ball trying to put the ball into a 10-foot hoop. Like, you know... It's it's so like the game the, the game of basketball. Anybody can play basketball. Anybody has two legs um, and and two arms 
can play basketball. Now, yeah, they probably won't be as good as somebody who's, you know, a professional or actually plays an organized in an organized basketball league. Yeah, but anybody who's anybody can pick up a ball and shoot it through a freaking through a freaking hoop. Um, in hockey, it just takes so much skill and so much toughness uh, to become a hockey player and to just be good at it, you know. And plus, you know, skating, you have to, in order to play hockey, skating has to be second nature. It has to be like running and walking in order to just play the game. There is just so much skill and so much athleticism involved in hockey. Um, it's just unreal um, the things that, you know, hockey players can do out in the ice. And like I said, I just don't understand how us in America, sports fans in America, you know, basically say that hockey is the fourth major sport. You know, ESPN doesn't give a damn about hockey. Um, Fox doesn't give a damn about hockey. And it's, it's just really disappointing to see, you know, hockey um, not get talked about um, like it does in the U.S. You know, I mean, like I said, freaking, you know, you have basketball like I just described, baseball. Now, I'm a big baseball fan, but hell, you have a guy like DJ LeMahieu on the Yankees who I love DJ LeMahieu. I love the New York Yankees. They're my favorite team. But he is out on the IL with a freaking thumb sprain. A thumb sprain. Freaking Patrice Bergeron a couple years ago for the Boston Bruins played the last three minutes of a playoff game with a torn ACL and a broken rib. And he finished the freaking game. Now, you mean to tell me that you'd rather watch a guy or watch a sport, you know, who they're out for weeks upon weeks with a left sprained thumb? You'd rather watch a, a seven-foot guy dunk on a ten-foot hoop instead of watch hockey? I mean, your intelligence level and your just entertainment value must be super low if you think that's more entertaining than watching a guy, you know, go around on an ice hockey rink with freaking um, uh, death sticks and, you know, knives uh, skating around the ice, which is the skate blades. Um, I, I just, I don't freaking get it. Help help me, please help me understand why basketball and baseball is more entertaining than, than, than hockey. Um, you know, debate me. Please debate me. Go to my Facebook page, at Montreal Madness. Go to my Twitter page, um, on Twitter, at Montreal Madness, and debate me why a seven-foot, you know, player, damn near seven-foot player, dunking on a ten-foot hoop is more entertaining than a guy deking and dangling, um, around a defender, you know, scoring a highlight real goal, you know, guys losing teeth, getting bloodied up, tearing their knees up, breaking ribs, and still playing, you know, like their life depended on it. Please, please debate me as the reason why you think, you know, that is far less entertaining than some guy swinging a bat at a baseball or some guy, you know, shooting shooting an orange ball through a hoop that's only three feet taller than what they are. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's my rant on that. But going back to what I was originally talking about, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers Montreal Canadiens series, um, the, the Canadiens, they've actually uh, made history twice twice in this postseason so far. They are the first team to make the playoffs with less than a 500 record. Um, although it's due to COVID, they still technically made the playoffs. They upset the number five Pittsburgh Penguins 
where that was so glorious to watch. Uh, seeing all my Pittsburgh Penguin um, friends out there moping and bawling and making excuses as to why the Penguins lost to the Canadians. Um, to be quite frank with you, there is absolutely no excuse as to the reason why the Penguins lost that series. I mean, they have all the talent in the world. Crosby, Malkin, Latang. They are proven Stanley Cup winners. A boatload of talent on that team. And they only were they only managed to win one game um, out of four games. Um, that is just completely unacceptable. I don't know what uh, Jim Rutherford, or I don't even know how you pronounce his last name, um, the GM for the Penguins, is going to do with this team. Um, you know, Crosby and Malkin, Latang, they're all in or near their mid-30s. Um, and uh, speaking of Crosby, you know, I know he's regarded as one of the best players in the league, and he is. Um, you know, there's no debating that Crosby isn't um, at least a top five player in the NHL. But he is not what he used to be anymore. Um, the stats don't lie. Um, his point value has decreased for the past five years. Uh, he hasn't reached 100 points, I believe, in the past five or six years. Um, now, is he making that up with becoming one of the best two-way players in the game? Um, yes, he is. Uh, he has become a really good defensive uh, center for the Penguins. Um, he's really learned to adapt to the defensive side of the game now that he's gotten a little older. Um, he's lost a little bit of a uh, step in his in his skating. Um, but the numbers don't lie, like I said, um, with his point production decreasing. And he's just not that type of player anymore to where he can uh, carry his line makes line mates and make them uh, superstars. Um, he just can't do that anymore. Um, so although Crosby wasn't the reason why the Penguins lost uh, that series against the Habs, because he was the only one that really showed up, um, he still isn't that same guy he once was in the middle of his prime. And I think the Penguins have gotten so used to that, uh, much like the Pittsburgh Steelers' Ben Roethlisberger, they just relied on him so much um, to where they have kind of um, just re relied on him and saying like, uh, you know, screw, get screw getting draft picks. Um, we'll just pick up guys at free agency. Um, we'll make these, um, you know, trades for these guys that are at the end of the prime to win a cup here. And, uh, you know, it worked before, you know, like they won two Stanley Cups in a row, um, no more than four years ago. Um, but like, but that was four years ago. Uh, he is just not the same player who can single-handedly uh, carry his team through the playoffs to the Stanley Cup. Uh, they need uh, really big-time supporting players, um, and you you can't do that through free agency and trades the way the salary cap is anymore. You've got to do that through the draft. And the Penguins, um, besides for Gensel, uh, they've done a really piss-poor job at uh, developing um, top-end players to play at the likes of Crosby and Malkin because uh, them two, especially of Crosby, they can't uh, carry um, their teams on their backs like they used to. But getting back on track here, um, you know, Game 5 um, um, with the Flyers and the Canadians, um, what more can you say about this Montreal Canadiens team? Um, you know, they are the first team in, um, in NHL playoff history um, as well to um, be leading in total goals 6-5 um, to five coming into Game 5, but be down by two games. Um, in Game 1, they lost 2-1. to one. In Game 2, they won 5-0 and then get shut out on consecutive nights uh, in games three and four. However, though, even being shut out, they were still in those games to the very end. In game three, they lost one to nothing, and in game four, they lost two to nothing. 
Um, so it wasn't like they were getting blown out. They were in those games until um, the very until the very end. Um, just the Canadians' uh, problem, which it's been a problem ever since their last Stanley Cup in '93. They have a hard time developing and finding players that can put the puck in the back in the back of the net consistently. Um, I think it was in Game Three. Uh, they had a two on O breakaway. The Habs did. The guy at the puck, Arturi Lekkinen, fell flat on his ass with the puck on a two on O. Um, that is just beyond laughable. It's downright frustrating and disappointing um, j- d- uh, to see that. Uh, it's, just, it's just those things right there where if that's the Flyers, if that's the Penguins in that situation, uh, they score an easy goal right there. Um, but no, it, you just go, you know, go figure. The Canadians guy has the puck for two on breakaway. Just, just literally falls right on his ass. Uh, he just loses an end on his skate and just falls. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the, um, that's the skill position players. The Canadians, um, have, de- um, dealt with not just this year, but for the past 20 years, um, they have, uh, only had one player score at a point per game level. Uh, since 1993, and that was Alexei Kovalev, a former Pittsburgh Penguin, by the way, in the 90s, who scored 82 points um, in the 2007 um, season uh, with the Canadians. Uh, that was the last guy to do it, and the only guy to do it in the past 25 years, and that is downright pathetic. Um, but in Game 5, they got their um, scoring back on track a little bit. Um, the Canadians are undefeated. Uh, they are 6-0 when scoring the first goal, but they are 0-4 when giving up the first goal. So the first goal means a lot. Um, and Joel Armia, um, winger for the Canadians, scored the first goal for the Habs in Game 5 on a shorthanded goal. Um, and then from there, um, they they took a lot of stupid penalties, though. Um, Jesperi Kokliemi, a promising rookie, a big time center. Uh, that's the reason why they drafted him last year. He's six foot two, six foot three, um, close to two hundred pounds. Um, you know, size is a really big issue in this Habs roster. That's the reason why they drafted him. Um, and he wasn't doing so hot at the beginning of, of uh, this 2019-2020 uh, season. Um, they actually, midway through the year, set him down to the minors um, because he just wasn't playing uh, the way they felt like he should. But he came back to uh, that little short training camp they had before the uh, playoffs started. He looked really well, um, and he's been thrown around his body uh, like he should have been all along. Um, but in Game 5, he had a questionable boarding call uh, called against against him against Matt Niskanen. Um, I believe he was a former Pittsburgh Penguin uh, defenseman. Uh, someone, um, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but no, he, he was along the wall, had his back turned, and uh, Cocklemy buried him against the boards. Um, however, though, should that have been a boarding call? If you have, if you watch that game or watch that replay, yes, that is a definition of boarding, a two-minute minor. However, he never left his feet. You know, he was given a five-minute major, which for those of you who don't know, a five-minute major penalty is, you know, the guy sits in the box for penalty box for five minutes, and the opposition can score as many goals as they can in those five minutes. Um, a regular minor penalty is only two minutes, and, and if, they, if the uh, opposition scores a power play goal, uh, the power play is over immediately. But during a major penalty, um, the guy stay in the box for a total of five minutes, and they can score as many goals as they want. 
Not only did that happen, but he got a game misconduct out of it too, because in the rule book, it's at the referee's discretion whether it was belligerent or not enough um, to throw him out of the game, and that's what it was. But not only just me saying this, so many um, hockey pundits out there were saying how that should not have been a major penalty. That should have, at the very least, not have been a game misconduct. I don't know what the ref was seeing because they actually do video reviews for these types of penalties. Um, if it's a major penalty, the ref can review it, kind of like what college football does with uh, personal foul helmet to helmet hits. You know how they can eject the player at the video review. So the referees had the video review, and they still threw him out of the game. Um, it's just you know I you know you just have to watch the replay for yourself to make an educated um, opinion on that. But uh, but the guy never left his feet. Um, never left his skates. Um, hit him in the back with with the head with um, Niskanen's head into the glass. Yes, which is boarding, but that should not have been a major penalty, and a damn sure shouldn't have been a game misconduct. Um, so the Flyers, because of that, they scored two power play goals. They go up two to one. Um, but the Canadians, they never lost a fight in them. What they weren't doing in games three and four, they did the exact opposite in game five. They kept on coming back and coming back. Um, they scored another goal with an um, with Joel Armina scoring his second two in a row um, of the night to uh, tied at two two. Uh, it was kind of a I don't want to say garbage goal, but um, Carter Hart, goalie for the Flyers, he easily should have stopped that puck. It was a sharp angle shot right above his shoulder. Um, he just needs to position himself a little better. Um, but so it's two two now. And then Brendan Gallagher, the guy who I mentioned earlier in the show, where he got bloodied up due to a cross check from Matt Niskin right in the freaking face, knocked his tooth out, bloodied his whole mouth. Um, he had the most shots on goal coming to this game in the NHL playoffs, but failed to record a goal. Um, back in game four, uh, he uh, got benched for the last 10 minutes of the third period um, because it's not so much an effort problem with Gallagher. If um, if you know who Brendan Gallagher is and if you watch the Canadians play, he gives 100, 110% Every time he's out on the ice, effort is not a problem with this guy. Um, but he is counted on to be one of those big time goal scorers for the Canadians, and he just hasn't been doing it this playoff series or this whole playoffs in the Toronto bubble. Um, so he finally got off the Schneid um, with a goal on a, on a power play with a beautiful pass from Nick uh, Nick Suzuki, their other uh, rookie center for the Canadians, a sweet saucer pass in the middle of the crease, and Gallagher. Baseball swung at the puck in midair and scored a goal. Um, so he broke his uh, scoreless drought in the playoffs, made it three to two. Um, the Flyers tied it up in the third period, making it three to three. Um, but uh, beautiful. But uh, I think twenty seconds later, a beautiful pass um, at the um, behind the net by Jonathan Druan um, to uh, Nick Suzuki again um, for. Um, for our goal to put him up four to three, and then Philip Deneau with an empty netter making a five to three. Um, but what made this game so fascinating to me, which just you know what made it like an authentic playoff hockey game, something we've all been craving for a long time now, um, is just the nastiness between these two teams, especially in the third period. Um, after every whistle, there was a scrum. After every whistle, there was guys getting into it with each other, drawing at each other, you know, throwing little jabs at each other, um, you know, just you know, face washing, um, bear hugging, headlocks. 
um, you know, dirty, nasty hits. Um, you know, that essentially is what playoff hockey is all about. Just that nastiness to it. Um, people, you know, just not giving a, not giving a shit and, you know, sticking up for their teammates and trying to just physically punish the other team. And that's what we saw during the third period, especially late in the game, whenever the Flyers knew um, they had lost the game. They took a couple uh, cheap shots at some of the Canadians players toward the last 10 seconds of the game. Um, so that right there really sets the tone for Game 6 um, on on Friday. Uh, I am very anxious uh, to see how this game plays out um, in Game 6 here. Um, you know, right now, the Canadians, they still have to win two games to win the series. The Flyers, you know, they only have to win one. They're up 3-2 to two in the series. But I tell you what here, um, I, you know, the, the, the logical... Um, hockey pundit in me says the Flyers will win in game six. Um, but if the Habs, the Habs fan in me is saying if the Canadians just can just somehow find a way to win game six, they're not losing game seven. The Canadians, if they win game six, I'm saying it right now, they will win game seven and they will win this series. Um, just all, all the pressure will be on, on uh, Philadelphia to win. Um, you know, there's no pressure in Montreal right now. You know, if it was a regular season, no COVID, none of this stuff, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs right now. And I'm not saying there's nothing to play for for the Canadians because, you know, they've been given this opportunity. They need to make the most of it, obviously. You know, they have a chance, you know, to, you know, beat the Flyers legitimately here and to keep moving on in the in the playoffs and to potentially make it up to the Stanley Cup Finals. But like I said, all the pressure's on Philadelphia. Um, so right now I'm going to give my bold prediction on game six and I've been tossing and turning on this one. And I actually do believe that if the Canadians score the first goal, which I think they will, they win game six by a score of three to two. I believe this game will go into overtime and then in game seven, the Canadians will will win that game as well and advance in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That is my bold prediction for the rest of this series. I am sticking to it. If the Canadians score the first goal in Game 6, they're winning that game and they're winning Game 7. I just find it hard to believe that, you know, if the Canadians, if they win up, if they win Game 6, that they'll lose Game 7. I just, I literally can't see that happening, Um, you know, Every Flyers player will be, you know, holding tight on their sticks. Um, they'll be putting all that pressure on themselves, um, like I said earlier. And I believe uh, they'll they'll collapse. Um, and Carter Hart, although he has two shutouts in this series, has shown if you can score on him early, he tends to crack under pressure. He tends to fold a little bit. Um, in game, you know, in game number two, when the Canadians won five to nothing, they got up to him early and often. After the first goal or two, he let him he let up some questionable goals at best. Um, and in game five, we saw the same thing after that first goal that Armia scored on the on the on the, on the uh, penalty kill. Um, he let in a couple softies, and um, you know, if it wasn't for an offsides call against the Canadians, um, he would have been pulled from the game. Um, so backtracking a little bit after the Canadians made it three to two, um, Nick Suzuki scored another sharp angle shot, which Carter Hart should have had to make it for the two, to make it four to two. Uh, however, Jonathan Drouin was offsides in the play. Um, Alan Vigneault, uh, head coach for the Flyers, uh, challenged the play. It was deemed offsides, which it clearly was, um, once they showed the video of it. Um, so that goal was disallowed, but before they did that, 
um, um, Alan, uh, um, Alan Vanu, uh, their coach, um, was going to pull Carter Hart out of the game for backup Brian Elliott. Um, someone was disallowed. They put Carter Hart back in, and for the love of God of me, I have never seen it happen before in my all my life watching hockey. Um, so if the Canes get to him early, they can score their first goal and get under his skin. Um, I don't think that uh, they'll have a problem of scoring goals against this kid because he is a kid. I believe he's only twenty. No, he's twenty-one years old. Um, so he doesn't have a lot of experience. This is his first um, playoff action, I believe, as well. Um, so, yeah, if the Canadians get to him early and often in Game 6, they will win that game, and they will definitely win Game 7. Um, but uh, this has just been one heck of a series. Um, you know, Game 5, just all that nastiness that playoff hockey is all about was brought to life, and I just can't wait for Game 6, and I hopefully can't wait for a Game 7 as well. So moving on from hockey here, uh, let's talk a little about the MLB, shall we? Um, so there's a, little, there's a little controversy in baseball right now, to say the least. And it involves uh, San Diego Padres shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. And if you haven't heard yet, uh, there's a controversy surrounding about him. Because the Padres are up, I believe, 8-3 to against the Texas Rangers um, a few, a few uh, days ago. And... Um, you know, the Padres, you know, yeah, they had a 5-6 run lead. Um, they had the game in hand. It was, I believe, the 8th or ninth inning. Um, he had a 3-0 count on him, okay? The Texas Rangers pitcher threw it right down the heart of the plate. He took a swing at a 3-0 pitch, and he hit the ball out of the park and absolutely jacked it over the fence. Um, now, to the casual fan, it's like, why is there a controversy behind that? So there's a lot of unwritten bait um unwritten rules in baseball and apparently one of them is you know when you have a you know a game that you basically won and you have a three nothing count you know you take that 3-0 pitch for a strike you know you're already up five six runs it's late in the game um it's kind of unsportsmanlike you know you don't want to show up the other team um so yeah that's what the texas rangers their coach and some of their players were balling about about how he swung out a 3-0 pitch um, and that, you know, that uh, next pitch after the 3-0 count was right down the heart of the plate, and he took a swing at it and hit, jacked it, jacked the ball over the uh, um, over the wall. And you know what? Screw those unwritten rules. You know, that's what makes the, ba- the game of baseball so unattractive uh, to casual fans all around the world and all around um, the United States. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago where those same Texas Rangers put up 30, yeah, 30 runs in a single game against the Baltimore Oars a a few years ago. And of all the teams to complain about this, you have the Texas Rangers who put up 30 freaking runs against the Orioles, you know, whining and bawling about a guy swinging on a 3-0 pitch when when the pitch is right down the heart of the plate. You know, instead of whining about the unwritten rules of baseball and how this Fernando guy broke it, how about you know you putting the onus on yourself? You know you shouldn't be down eight to three in the eighth inning. You know if you're that Texas Ranger pitcher, you shouldn't be down three zero in the count. You know I am so sick and tired of these traditionalists. You know these unwritten you know rules um, in baseball. Um, you know screw all that. You know baseball was at its prime whenever you saw guys in the late nineties, early two thousands. You know hitting the roids and jacking five jacking five hundred foot home runs. 
know, I hate to say it, but that's when baseball was at its peak. That's when everybody was watching baseball. That's when baseball was fun. Whenever there are a lot of home runs hit, whenever there are a lot of runs scored, no one wants to, you know, watch on TV uh, a two to one, one nothing baseball, you know, pitchers duel game. You know, unless you're a die-hard traditionalist baseball fan, you don't want to see that. And you know, kudos for Major League Baseball for implementing the DH rule uh, for the NL as well. You know, pitchers when they when they go up to the plate in in the big leagues, you know, their entire focus nowadays is on pitching. You know, they don't give a shit about hitting the ball. You know, so if you're if you're playing in the NL and you have a pitcher up to the plate, it's it's more than likely guaranteed out. Um, you know, it's very rare do you see pitchers not only getting a base hit, but hitting a home run, you know, making a quality at bat, you know, you just, that's not part of the game anymore. Um, so kudos for MLB, you know, getting rid of that, um, you know, the pitcher hitting, implementing the DH rule in the, in the NL, um, and the only thing that I am mad about this whole situation is that, um, you know, Fernando Tatis, um, you know, having to apologize after the fact. You know, that's the only thing I'm mad about. He should not be apologizing at all for what he did. And you know what? They were only up by five to six runs. In baseball, you know, that, you know, that's a grand slam and a single or and a, and a couple singles and a guy drives him in. You know, that's not out of the realm of possibility for the Rangers to, to come back and, you know, in, in two innings. They were only down by five to six runs. Um, and it just, it just irks me so much. Like I said earlier, um, the Texas Rangers are the ones bitching and complaining about it whenever they scored 30 on the Orioles a few years ago. So freaking spare me um, all the all the whining and the tears and everything. Um, you know, I'm glad what Fernando Tatis did, swinging on the 3-0 pitch, you know, hey, don't get in the 3-0 count. Don't throw the ball down right in the middle of the plate, you know, if you don't want that to happen. You know, stop making freaking excuses for yourselves and, you know, just play the game and, you know, play it like it's your last game. You know, you know, I, I just wish that philosophy um, was implemented more in players than what it is. Um, you know, there shouldn't be any of these, like I said, unwritten rules in baseball or anything like that, because that just ruins the game. And, you know, on top of all that, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, you have players in baseball who, you know, they'll be on the IL for freaking two weeks with a sprained thumb or, a, you know, a broken hangnail or, you know, you know, anything like that. That's just complete and utter BS. And, um, you know, it's really ruining the game of baseball. That's why TV ratings... Ticket sales have plummeted the past, you know, half decade to a decade or so. Um, you know, so as a baseball fan, you know, I like to see, I want to see change in the sport. Um, you know, the 162 game season normally, um, besides for this year, and you only have essentially four playoff teams make the playoffs. You know, I know they added a, a wild card, you know, team the past couple years, but it's a one game freaking playoff, and you know, you get you know, a hot pitcher on your team in the wild card and, you know, you just shut the other team down and there your team, you know, advances in the playoffs. That's complete bullshit. You know, at least make it a three or five game series for crying out loud in the wild card round. Um, you know, or, or add like they're doing this year. They're doing eight playoff teams in each league. I wish they would do that every freaking year from now on. Um, it's a 162-game season, for crying out loud. You know, there's teams over 500 consistently missing the playoffs. And that's not right. 
Um, and then you you know then you boil it down to a one one game wild card where you just throw in your hottest pitcher and he wins the game for you. That's freaking stupid. Um, you know, screw those traditionalist fans out there. You know, we don't need them. They're a small freaking minority in the baseball community now. You know, their time has come and gone. You know, they're you know they're a bunch of boomers essentially. Um, you know, we need new fans to the sport of baseball. So I hope these changes they've made for just this 60 game season. I hope it comes back for next year whenever they have their full season, a full 162 game season for each team. And I know I might sound like I'm getting carried away with a lot of this stuff, but you know what? I don't freaking care. You know, there's a lot of easy solutions out there um, for um, stuff that can get fixed, and you have the minority dictating what the majority want. You know, screw the minority. You know, if the, ma if the majority wants this or wants that, you know, give it to them. You know, that's what the fans, the majority of the fans want. You know, I'm not alone on this. I'm in the majority here. Um, so yeah, I know I'm talking really passionate about some of this stuff right now, but holy crap, guys, you know, there's just a lot of easy stuff that can be fixed, um, just like in baseball, like I just mentioned, and, you know, it's just this traditionalist, um, you know, back to 1920s, 1930s philosophies out there that, you know, just get the hell out of here, get rid of it, you know, um, it's the 21st century, it's 2020, you know, people don't want to see that anymore, me included, you know, if you happen to get a 2-1, 1-0 baseball game, fine, you know, they can be actually entertaining, but, you know, they have to be rare for them to be entertaining, um, there, like, like of everything in life, there has to be a balance, you know, too many times the past five or six years, you know, you know, pitchers and players in general are just getting stronger, you're seeing a lot of guys throw at 99, 100 miles an hour on the reg, um, so it's a lot easier for pitchers, you know, they're throwing 9900 mile fastballs, they're breaking balls, um, they're curveball, they're sliders and stuff. They are, you know, throwing them at upwards to the mid 80s, um, even even low 90s. So that makes it that makes it very tough on batters um, to consistently, you know, get up to the plate and make a quality at bat. Um, so yeah, I want to see change in baseball. You know, I want to see high scoring games, nine to six, you know, six to four type games, you know, runners on base, you know, um, you know, should I steal second, go to third, hit a sack fly, if one out that drives in a run, you know, I want to see, I want to see that baseball, you know, I don't want to see guys, you know, throwing 12 strikeouts in a game, throwing a complete game and the score end up being one, nothing, two to one or whatever. Um, so, you know, yeah, I know I've been, you know, dabbling on this i know i'm harping on this on all you but that's just how passionate i feel about that um so that so that's my take on that um i know i've been rambling on um for the past few minutes about that but i'm just so sick and tired i've seen um america's pastime um just keep getting ruined by these traditionalist minority boomers out there, you know, who think it's great to see, you know, a pitcher's duel, one nothing, two one games consistently. Um, so kudos for MLB for making some changes. I think they can go even further in making their changes. Um, screw the minority, um, help the majority out, and um, you know, we'll see what happens next. See what happens next year. So yeah, um, you know, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Um, I am so glad to be back. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, it's I'm just so I'm just so happy to be doing this again. Um, I know I had a lot of um, pent up you know energy in me to say the least today, um, but. 
But I'm glad I was able to share that with all of you. I hope you found it entertaining and insightful. Um, let me know um, how I did um, messaging me um, or commenting on my uh, post on Facebook and Twitter at Montreal Madness. Um, if you feel like there's something that I said wrong or if you want to debate me with, you know, comment on my stuff. Um, DM me if you want to. Um, I want to improve this show as much as I can. Um, so if I've been doing anything that you um, would like to see me improve on or you want me to talk about something that you feel passionate about that you want me to bring up and give my insights on, um, you know, feel free to just talk to me, DM me. So yeah, I think that's a wrap then for today's episode. So long until next time and go Habs go! Go Habs go!